Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's get ready to go into our sermon series. I'm not going to be too long because, as you can tell, we got a baptism here today. Come on, somebody. I'm excited for baptism here today. A beautiful young lady at this church is getting ready to give her life over to God. So we're going to end it on a high note today. But I want to continue on in this series that we've been in. It's called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. My best advice for you all is, for those of you that are just dropping in, if, if, if you're hearing things that are like, man, that's so good, but I kind of need some more context, I want you to go back, catch the messages on YouTube. This has actually ended up being one of our message series that has been a real big hit. I mean, we've got, we've got people that have just been dropping in. They go to another church. They, they are part of another congregation, but they drop in because they're like, I just haven't heard messages on the family at my church, so I'm kind of sliding in, pastor, to hear these messages. I've been getting the word out to a lot of friends and family, so... Um, I'd encourage you to do the same. If you've not yet heard any of these messages, it'll be a good idea for you to catch up, especially if God is speaking to you today and you just want a little more, go back. I think we're like in week eight now of this message series, so we've got a lot of stuff in there. So we're going to go now to Daniel chapter two. We're going to read the first three verses, and then I have a lot of verses that I got to read. I'll be gracious with you all. We're not going to read them all at the front end. I'm going to bake them into the sermon, but we got a lot of Bible to read today, so we're going to get your Bible reading for the week done today, all right? By the end of today, you will have read your Bible before. No, I'm kidding. We got a lot of verses, okay? So go with me to Daniel chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 3. It goes as follows. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king, had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. We're going to stop there, and for the next few minutes, we're going to talk on this thought that I am calling, I'm on God's time. I'm on God's time. Let me just pray for you one more time as we get ready to hear God's word. Father, would you bless us as we hear uh, hear your word now? God, your word is already anointed, and we believe that it's going to accomplish what you set it out to do. So I pray that every heart would be open, every mind would be ready to receive, that our spirits would be receptive to your word today. Help us to block off every distraction, God. And as I speak corporately, would you speak individually? Would you deposit an individual word into the life of every person that is here today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time, and you may be seated. Let's talk about this thought I'm on God's time. All right, church, I'm going to bear my soul right here, okay? I'm I'm just going to confess, and y'all going to have to hear me process my confession here, okay? But this Friday, I was reminded of something. I do not like driving in a caravan. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you're going on a road trip with people, and, you know, there's like three or four cars, and they're all going to follow each other. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Where are the people that are with me, with their pastor today? They're like, I don't like the caravan. I'm more like, where are we going? I'll see you there. Because here's the deal. If I ain't got to go potty, I don't want to stop because you got to go potty. You know what I mean? I'm happy to keep on going. And so this this past Friday, I was at a leadership retreat with my son last week. And uh, when it was time to go to the retreat, we left the school. It's perfect. Got in my car, went at my pace. 
and we just got to the campsite. I don't drive crazy. Matter of fact, I wasn't even first there. But I just don't like following people, and I don't want anybody following me. I just want to go alone. You know what I'm saying? So, so there I go. I've got three teenage boys behind me, or almost teenage boys behind in the car with me. I got another pastor with me, and we get to the leadership retreat, and everything's fine. And then on Friday, they said, hey, we're in a caravan home. And I was like, no, I want a caravan home. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it'll be a good idea. It'll be a good idea. Two of the moms had already left. I'm like, they already bailed on your caravan. I'm like, let's just go. Let me go. No, no, no. We got, we got a caravan. It's a great idea. And, and, and church, it's so bad because, like, the whole drive back, I'm, like, dying inside, you know? I'm like, what? what? And, then, and then I would start to ask myself, why are you this anxious about a caravan? Like, like what? why are you so OCD about a caravan? And I think here's the reason why. I don't like to surrender my perception of the control that I have over time. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, don't, I don't want to surrender time. I think time is such a precious thing, and I love to manage my time. I don't want anyone to manage my time for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to manage my own time. But believe me, Lighthouse, I was struggling with that. I was processing that. I'm like, why am I so anxious about all of this? And wouldn't you know it, it took us so long to get home. Because I always put the slowest car up front, right? And it's like, you're just like, I'm dying inside. And we finally made it back to the school. And I remember confessing to my wife. I'm like, I hate caravans. I never want to be in another caravan again. And what's wild about that is I actually believe, and I think for a second, that I'm in control of time. But I'm not in control of time. How many know that we have no control over time? We do our best to manage the time that we have, but truly, time's going to move on with or without your attempt to try to manage it. Time's just going to move on. And, and here in this schedule, and what I want to talk, uh, here in this service and, and this message and these scriptures that we're reading, what I want to talk to you about is just that, how we look at time, how God's time works, and how time outside of God's plan works. So, so let's get into the text. I got a lot to exegete, so let me take you through the text together here in Daniel chapter 2. We covered Daniel chapter 1 the last two weeks. And here in Daniel chapter 2, we got a crazy story going on. The king is having some wild dreams, and, and, and he wants someone to help him interpret his dreams. So as we read, he brings in the sorcerers, the magicians, the astrologers. He gets them all in the room together, and he tells them, I want you to help me interpret my dreams. But he, he throws a curveball on them, okay? He, he tells them, but here's the deal. I'm not going to tell you my dream. You all have to figure out what I'm dreaming and then interpret it. No pressure. No pressure at all. And I want you to know just how severe the situation was. Here's what the king told him. Not only do I want you to figure out what I'm dreaming and interpret it, all of you magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, but if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you and all your family and I'm going to burn your house to the ground. No pressure. That's wild, right? And I just want you to see this because I'm not making it up. Let's go to Daniel 2.5. The king replied to the astrologers. This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses will be turned into piles of rubble. And you thought your boss was bad. This guy's like, if you don't do this, I'm killing you. So, so these magicians and these sorcerers were up against a very, very difficult situation. And so they go back to their temples or wherever it is sorcerers go to try to get this download of what is this king dreaming so that we can interpret it and nothing. They got nothing. So they run back to the king and they tell the king, listen, listen, listen. You're asking us to do something very hard. Please tell us the dream and then we will interpret it. And the king at that moment said, y'all are stalling, okay? Either you're going to do this or you're not going to do it. 
And the sorcerers are like, man, there's just no way. Like, this, you're asking us a very hard thing. He's all, cool, no problem. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> he, he issues the edict, and he goes out to kill them. So Daniel, tap, Daniel chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, I want you to see what happens. So this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all of the wise men in Babylon. Now, now remember, last week we talked about how Daniel was elevated to one of the wise men. So here it is. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. This is a wild story. An Old Testament wild story. So Daniel's in trouble. I'll, can you all say that? Say Daniel's in trouble. Daniel is not even around for all of this mess. And now they're out to try and kill Daniel. So, so let's catch up with Daniel and see how this goes for him. We pick up now in verse 14. So Arioch, he's the commander of the king's guard. And here's what it says. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel, the main character of our story, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and with tact. I'm going to pause right there because I feel like our country lost a lot of wisdom and tact in communicating with people, doesn't it? I mean, I just feel like as, as a society, we've, we've lost how to have a tactful communication and how to use wisdom in a conversation. I mean, you can't even disagree with anyone anymore without being labeled a hater. It's like you're not allowed to have your own opinion. It's groupthink, and uh, you're, not, you're not allowed to disagree with me. If you disagree with me, then you are a hater. And, and that's just it's really sad as a society that we've gone to that point. But, but Daniel used wisdom, and he used tact. But I want you to watch what happens here and what Daniel says. So Daniel asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Arioch explained the matter to Daniel. He tells him, well, listen. King was looking for the wise men. You didn't show up, and so nobody can interpret the dream. So basically, you all are dead. And listen to what Daniel says. At this, Daniel went into the king. He got really bold. He goes to King Nebuchadnezzar, and he asked for time. Everybody say time. The king was out of time. The king was done. The king was now on kill mode. Time wasn't something that he was going to give, and yet Daniel goes and asks the king for the very thing that the king didn't want to give out anymore. He said, king, I need some more time so that I might interpret the dream for you. So, so that's where this story takes us, and that's where it leads us. And now I want to pause here and give you some applications of what I see here, okay? So Daniel is already asking for something that the king doesn't have to give. The king is done with the wise men. He's done with the sorcerers and the astrologers and the magicians. He felt like they were stalling, and he's killing them all. And Daniel says, king, I just need a little bit more time. King, I, I just need you to slow your roll. I need some more time. And here's what we see here in Daniel 2 that we saw in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel knew who, was in, who is in control of time. Daniel knew that the king didn't control time, but God controlled time. So he, in, in, he went in there with faith to tell him, we're not going to move at your pace. If I'm going to do this thing that you're going to ask me to do, we're going to move at God's pace. Now, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that I want you to write down. God's pace is not the world's pace. God's pace 
is not the world's pace. We live in an Amazon, overnight prime, Instacart, DoorDash, microwave generation. That's the world we're living in. That's the society we're living in. And what it has done is it has robbed us of this very important fruit of the spirit, and that is called patience. And the thing is, God isn't bound by your expectations of when he's supposed to show up. God doesn't move according to your time. God doesn't move according to man's time. God operates at his own pace. And so Daniel's looking at this situation and says to the king, I'm not going to move at your pace. I'm going to move at God's pace because God has a pace. God has a pace. And it's always in conflict with the world's pace. The world is trying to get you to move at a fast pace. But I found throughout the scriptures that that's not the way that God moves. God moves at a slower pace. God moves at a pace of grace. And, and, and if you look in the New Testament, you see this in the life of Jesus. I've said this before. I want to say it again, and it's worth writing down. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. And I think so many of you have surrendered the pace of your life to the pace of culture, and you're always in a hurry, and it's depleting you. You're running at a pace that's faster than you can sustain and it's causing you to, your marriage to wear thin. Some of you are running at such a fast pace that you are exhausting your kids. Some of you are running at such a fast pace that you're exhausting yourself in the process. And Daniel goes to the king and tells him, I need more time. We're going to do this, but we're not going to do this at your time. We're going to do this at God's time. And church, I got to get you, and I got to figure out a way to move you to start moving according to God's time. Because God has a pace. Some notes that I wrote down. If you do not take control of the pace of your life, the pace of life will take control of you. That's just the truth. If you allow culture to take and hijack the pace of your life, it will. So either you take control of the pace of your life and start to move it at the pace that God walks in. Or here's the deal. The pace of life will take control of you. And it absolutely will. It will absolutely take control over the pace of your life. And it'll wreck you. Because here's the deal. You don't want to make important decisions when you're in a hurry. How many know that to be true? You, you, you don't want to make important decisions when you're in a hurry. You don't want to make an important decision when you're tired. You don't want to make a, a, a life-giving decision when you're exhausted. Let, let me break it down. Let me break it down. Let me, let me give you a very easy, natural, carnal example. You know how they say never go to the grocery store when you're hungry? Y'all heard about that? Why? Because you're like walking out of there with Ritz, with Ritz crackers. You're getting a Slim Jim and you don't even like beef jerky. You're just hungry. You, you, you don't go to the store when you're hungry because you're going to buy stuff that you don't need. That, I mean, I, I've done this so many times. My wife sends me to the grocery store. She's like, what in the world did you buy? Like, how did you spend that much money? I asked you to buy milk $47 later. Why? It's like, I was hungry. <laughs> I was hungry. I saw some bears. I just kind of cape. Listen, in the same way, when you have depleted your spiritual, your spirit, man, your spirit, when you have depleted your spiritual life, and you try to make a decision when you are spiritually running on empty, you're going to make a bad decision. When, when you're making a decision and spiritually your prayer life is on empty, your worship life is on empty, your physical body is depleted, you are going to make a bad decision because you've been running at a pace that has absolutely exhausted you. Listen to me, Lighthouse. You have got to fight to take 
back the pace of your life. You have got to live according to this thing called margin. Everybody say margin. You don't need to fill every white area of your calendar with something. And I know as parents, we can, we can bend in this direction, but you have to have margin in your life because here's what I've learned about God. God speaks in stillness. God speaks to you in quiet moments. Some of you, you're, you're running at such a pace that you're like, I don't have time to pray. Listen to me. You don't have time not to pray. Some of you are living your life in such, a, in such a pace that you're like, Pastor Josh, that's cute. You talk about devotion. You must have a lot of time of your hands because you're a pastor. No, 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 no. I make time for this because here's what I learned. This is just a life lesson, and it's going to sting just a little bit, but I love you. I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. But you make time for what's important for you. You, you will absolutely make time for what matters to you. So don't say, I don't have time to talk to God. Just go on and say, it's not important enough for me to talk to him. Uh, yeah, I know that hurts. I heard that would hurt. So I was like, sorry, I love you. Let's bring it back. I don't want to, I don't, I don't be mean pastor right now, okay? But, but, the, but the truth is, is that, that if you don't watch the pace of your life and if you allow the pace of culture to move you, to, to move you in a hurry, you're going to miss out on the moments where God wants to meet with you. And moms and dads, as we've been in this series about parenting, you got to know that your kids are watching you. And you have to watch the pace that you are moving your children because they can't move at a pace that is going to break their necks. I mean, I've done this before. There's been times when, kids, let's go. Get in the car. We got to get out of here. We don't hit the road now. We're going to hit traffic. You get in the car. You're in the freeway. And then your son's like, Dad, I forgot my shoes. Have you ever been there before? You're like, what? How did you forget your shoes? Well, here's the deal. You're moving your children at a pace that they can't even run in. And so many of us are doing that with our lives. So many of us are wrecking our marriages because we don't make time to slow our lives down and to just be present with our spouse. We don't slow our lives down to be present with our children. And, and, and I found myself talking to a lot of parents. I said, look, I know your son's a good athlete, but he don't need to be playing five sports at the same time. And parents are talking about, man, we're being ran ragged. You made the decision. You got, agents in, you got agency here. You make the decision, and you protect your time as a family. And, and I'm all for keeping your kids involved. I mean, if you follow me in the Ugram, you know I'm just constantly posting videos of my sons. That's, that's, that, that's, I, I love my boys. I love having them involved. I love them going to leadership retreats, going to football games, doing all of that stuff with my boys. But there are certain things that my wife and I fight for. And they are non-negotiables. And we're not going to run at the, world, at the world's pace. We're going to run at God's pace. Because here's the deal. Let's fast forward. Go with, me, go, go with me in the Bible to where Jesus decided to go into the wilderness to pray. Remember when Jesus went to go into the wilderness to pray? Right after his baptism, went into the wilderness. Did the enemy come mess with him on day three? Did he mess with him on day ten? Satan did not come to tempt Jesus until day 40. Here's the deal. The enemy's always going to mess with you when you're tired. The enemy will mess with your marriage when you are depleted. You think that secretary or admin assistant is going to walk around on a Monday morning when you're on a spiritual high? No, she's going to come batting her eyes when you've not been praying. You've not been in God's presence. You've been running on empty. The enemy knows when to attack you, and it's always when you're depleted. That's how he messed with Jesus. The enemy came to Jesus and tempted him after 40 days when he knew 
Jesus was going to be hungry. He messed with Jesus when he knew that he was going to be tired. In the same way, I want you to hear me, Lighthouse Church, the enemy is going to come and mess with you when you're on empty. He is going to come and tempt you when you're tired. And so if you don't make time for the presence of God, he is going to come in and attack you when you are the most vulnerable. I know some of you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, did you really get all of that just from that one passage of scripture? Absolutely, because I see it all throughout the Bible. There is this pattern and there is this, this, there, there is this blueprint where, where, where even in the New Testament, Jesus was constantly calling his disciples into the stillness to pray to be alone, and to just be present with the Father. And, and if parents, we don't get this right, we're going to, if we don't figure out how to slow our lives down, we're not going to show that to our children either. And the pace that you run at, they're going to run at a pace that's even faster. And if you can't sustain that pace, it's going to break your children. So, so moms and dads, fight for your time. Fight for the pace of your home. Make sure you are running at a sustainable pace. Husbands and wives, run at the right pace for your marriage. Don't, don't, don't run at a pace where you have made everyone depleted in the home and then wonder why you are feeling attacked by the enemy. He knows you are at your weakest. So let's go back to the story. Let's go back to story. You guys good so far? So let's go back to the story. So you set the pace of your home. You teach your children the importance of rest. You teach your children the importance of Sabbath. You teach your children the importance of just being still. But I love what Daniel did after because there's some application of what he did once he slowed the pace of his life down. The Bible says that immediately after he goes to the king and tells the king, I just need some more time. There's three things that he does that is super important. Number one. Daniel 2.17, then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Here's the application. Daniel went home and found his people. Write this down, Lighthouse Church. You need some people in your life. You, you need people in your life. I, I, I worry for Christians that run in isolation. I worry about that. Because I feel like people who are isolated are easy to pick off. But when you are running with the tribe, you are a lot more difficult to pick off. When you go through hell in your life, and when you are dealing with struggles, and when your children are acting up, and when your marriage is on the brink, you want to know what you don't need? You don't need to be alone. What you do need is you need people who are going to be in your corner, who are going to be contending for your marriage along with you. You need people who are praying for your marriage along with you. You need people who believe in you. You need people who see God's calling on your life. You need people who see God's fingerprints all over you. You need people. Do me a favor. Tell your neighbor. You need people I, I, I worry that that some people like, like like we've come out of 2020 but some people haven't come out of 2020 that they're, they're completely comfortable being in isolation and and the community the life that God has called us to live has always been in community I mean Jesus could have accomplished his mission here on earth alone but he recruited 12 dudes didn't he He's like, I could do this alone. I don't need help. As a matter of fact, they're going to sometimes get in my way. I'm going to have to rebuke him. I'm going to have to call Peter Satan. You know, it's like, it's like Judas is going to steal. He's got a money issue. But yet he chose to run in community. Jesus did. He chose that I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it together with people. And, and, and I worry for the Christian that wants to do it alone. You can't do it alone. And I don't believe that God wants you to do it alone. I believe that he wants you to have people in your life. First thing Daniel does, he's like, Hananiah. Mishael, Azariah, 
yo, you're never going to believe what I just signed us up to do. They were like thinking, are you kidding me? Like they were already going to come and kill us, and now you roped us all into this thing. But he went to his people. Thank God for people, right? How many of you are grateful for the people that you got in your life? Come on, where, where, where were those that were like, you know, I'm so glad that I got people in my life. You need people. And, and, and that's why I say some people haven't come out of 2020. And for those of you that are watching online, we'd love to see you in here eventually. Someone said, well, you know, Pastor, this is all parenting thing. I, I don't have any kids. It doesn't apply. Listen, we don't come to church just to hear a sermon. If you think that that's what Sunday service is for, you've missed the point in its entirety. We, we, we come to be in fellowship with one another. We come to worship God together. We come to come and, and, and do life with one another. Me speaking to you is just one voice. But how many of you have ever come to church on a Sunday and had a conversation while maybe picking up your kids and there's another woman speaking life into you? I mean, she is recharging your batteries. She's giving you a word from God. That's why we gather. That's why we gather. And then just this morning when we did all call, I told all of our, all of our dream team, I said, listen, you all are ministers today because you are going to talk to people that I'm not going to talk to. And God's going to give you the words to say to them. So we don't gather just to come and hear the sermon. We gather to glorify our God together. We come to worship him together. You need people. Can I get a good amen on that? And here's the next thing Daniel did. Verse 218. So he urged the people, he urged the three guys with him. He said, let's plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. So here's what he told his friends. Guys, we got to pray. Next thing to write down, you need prayer in your life. Can I get a better amen than that? How many of y'all know that you're going to need prayer in your life? He tells his guys, we have got to pray. We're, we're facing a difficult situation. And the one thing that we've got to do is we have got to pray. Now, I'm going to take you back to my old Pentecostal roots. I told you guys, I, I, I'm a kid that came out of the Pentecostal Holiness Church. If there was one thing that we got right in the Pentecostal Holiness Church, they taught us how to pray. Like, like we knew how to pray. Like, we came to the altar, and the ladies prayed until the mascara was everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and we prayed. I mean, I remember some of the Pentecostal prayers that we would do when we would gather. Like, sometimes we'd be praying, and we'd be talking to the devil at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be worshiping God, but we're like, devil, I rebuke you. You got to get your hands off of my children. You have no place in my house. How many of you ever prayed a prayer like that before? Where it's like half the time you're talking to Jesus, but the other half of the time, I mean, you're getting nasty with the devil. You know what I mean? You get into that prayer closet. Some of you ladies tying your hair in a bun, and you're like, we are going to war. And I miss that. I don't know about you, but I miss that. So, you know, uh, popcorn prayer is great. Giving you a message of hope is great. But sometimes we need some people to get inside their prayer closet and not leave their prayer closet until they have heard from God. There's something about not leaving until God has spoken to you. And we need some of that back in the church, don't we? We, 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 we prayed. We prayed a ton. Sometimes we'd get so tired praying we'd lay on the floor. Y'all remember that? They're like, what's he doing? Is he taking a nap? No, he's praying. He's just tired of standing. So he's going to pray on the floor. We prayed a lot. We, we just prayed. And, but, but listen, mom and dad, hear me, and I'm going to say this with love. There's a lot of things that you can teach your children, okay? As a father, I want to teach my son how to change a tire. Love for him to drive stick shift. Love to teach him how to change a tire, and I'm going to do all that. But if I don't teach my son how to pray, I've missed it. And mom and dad, you can teach your children a lot of things, but do not neglect to teach them how to pray. That's the one thing you got to do. And how do you teach them? It ain't a seminar. You just live it out. 
Let your daughter catch you praying in the morning. Let your son catch you praying in the morning. I get up every morning and I have my devotion and I love it when my kids walk in on me. I just love it. It's the best thing ever. As soon as they come in, they're like, oh, dad, I'm sorry. I didn't see you were reading your Bible. No, no, no. Come, come. Come sit with me. Come have devotion with me. Why? Because I can't just tell them about having quiet time with God. I have to show them how to have quiet time with God. So mom and dad, you want your children to be a child of prayer? Let them catch you praying. Let, let, let them catch you praying. Let them catch you in your Bible. Let them catch you having devotion with God. Now, here's, here's the last thing that happens here, and I'm coming to a close. And we're going to get ready for baptisms. I'm so excited. Phoebe, get ready. We're ready for you, okay? So 219, during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And I love this part, part, part right here. Then Daniel praised. Everybody say praise. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Here's the last thing I want you to write down. You need praise in your life. You need praise. Somebody say praise again. You, you, you need some praise in your life. What I love about this is Daniel sleeping. God gives him a download of the dream that nobody could figure out that that king was having. God reveals it to Daniel. And I want you to watch what Daniel does. Daniel immediately starts to praise God. He doesn't even know if he's right and he's praising God. That's how praise works. We don't praise God because things go our way. We praise God because things go God's way. And there's a big difference between your way and God's way. Because how many know that God hears you, but God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. There's a big difference there. God doesn't give you what you want. He knows what you want. But sometimes what you want and what you need are two different things. And what I've learned about the nature of God is he knows what you want, but he'll always give you what you need. And what you need to do when God gives you what you need is you need to learn how to give God some praise. I want to say that one more time. You need to learn how to give God some praise. I'm talking about God. I thank you for giving this to me. It wasn't what I wanted, but I thank you anyway. This, this didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to go, but I thank you anyways. This situation doesn't look good right now. I, I don't even know if I'm going to have my job in two months from now, but I thank you anyway. My situation with my kids isn't great right now, but I thank you anyway. That's praise. Somebody shout praise right now. And we got to learn how to praise God. Daniel didn't even know if he had the right dream. He doesn't even know. And he's praising anyway because it didn't matter. He knew that he had an encounter with God. And however this turned out, whether he was right or wrong, and y'all remember what was going to happen if he was wrong, right? What were they going to do? Kill him. He praised God anyway. The problem with the American church is we only praise God when we want something or when it goes our way. Well, I prayed to God. I mean, it didn't happen, so maybe he's mad at me. No, that ain't it. That's bad theology, okay? God's going to accomplish his will here on earth. And what we've been teaching you going back to 2019 when we first started this church is it's not about me getting God to come into my will. It's about me stepping into God's will. But that, that's where we got to be. Me stepping into God's will. And, and, and we praise Regardless how, of how everything turns out. How many of you ever had to praise when things didn't go your way? You ever been there before? I've been there. It's like, man, that, that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. But I praise God anyway. Tell, I told you guys a story of how we were this close to getting another building in 2020. Me and Salah signed the contracts. Sent it on over. And then things, the deal just blew up. I remember being so frustrated just just wanting a home for the church 
just, just wanting a place where we can gather. We had just started the church. We were a portable meeting at a high school theater. Couldn't meet there because of the pandemic. And I remember having to get to my knees and just tell God, you know, God, you see things that I don't see. You know things that I don't know. Clearly, you didn't want this deal to work out. Now, I was mad at him. I ain't going to lie. All right? Have you ever been mad at God? I was kind of like, why, God? Why? Like, we spent, ten, we, we spent thousands of dollars on this deal, and the deal didn't work. I was mad at God. But I had to praise God anyway. And when I praised God anyway, I saw him move in ways that I could not even imagine. We don't praise God to get God to do anything. God's going to do what he does. But we praise God because that is our response to who he is. Not for what he does, but for who he is. I praise him just for who he is. So Daniel had to get the pace right. He got people right. He got prayer right. And finally, he got praise right. I promise you, church, I did not try to alliterate that. It was in the Bible, okay? He got the pace. He got his people. He got his prayer. And finally, he got his praise right. And mom and dad, I, I need for you to just process this for you. And, and, and even for people that are not married, singles, ad young adults, kids, high school kids in the room. And you know what I love about this sermon series? Let me just take a little, a, a little aside here. I've been preaching on this series and talking so much to mom and dads, but the other day my mind was blown in such a great way, in such a great way. I had some people from the church over. A young man, I'm not, I'm not going to spare him his name. Y'all don't need to know his name, but young man, I'm having a conversation with him. He's in high school. And he said something to me. He's like, well, you know, Pastor Josh, just like what you said, I, with, my, with my little brother, he was talking about his little brother. I was asking about how his relationship was going with his little brother. He goes, you know, my little brother, I did what you said in the sermon. I step into his world so that one day he can step into my world. And I was like, man, you caught that? He's 16 years old. He's not a mom or dad, but he caught the importance of that principle. He said, yes, I've been doing it with my little brother. I've been stepping into his world that's why every time we pray that God you're going to speak corporately but you're going to deposit something individually into this house so, so hear me when I say this Lighthouse Church everybody get your pace right don't allow the enemy don't allow this world don't allow culture to make you run at a pace that runs you down because if you don't get pace right you got no time for people you got no time for prayer and you got no time for praise you see how pray, pace has to come first pace has to come first you get your pace right and then you get your people right. You get your prayer right. And you get your praise right. You track it with me, Lighthouse Church? Come on, clap your hands and give God some praise. Pace, people, prayer, praise. Pace, people, prayer, and praise. Daniel 2.47. Let me read to you the end of the story because we got we to wrap this up. I know you're dying to know how this went, all right? So, so Daniel goes to the king, tells the king what's been revealed to him. And I love 2.47. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. At the end of the story, King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges, hey, your God, he's like the big G God. All these sorcerers are serving little G God. But you, Daniel, and you Hebrew boys, Mishael, Azariah, you all serve the capital G God. He bowed down and he acknowledged your God is the God of gods. And, and, and my prayer is that we would live our life in such a way that when people see you, they see something different about you. There's something different about your pace. There's something different about your prayer. There's something different about your praise. There's something different about the people that you run with. Lighthouse, I need for this to be, I need for this to get into your homes. I need for this to get into your families. There is a pace that God has called us to run in. And my desire 
as we close now is that we would get our pace right so we can get our people right, our praise right, and we would get our prayers right. Right there we are. Let me, let me bow your heads right there where you're at. I'm going to ask them to get ready for baptism now. Right there where you're at, would you start talking to your father? I'm going to pray over you in just a minute, but just in your own words right now. Just, just start to talk to him. Just start to talk to him. Maybe some of you need to start telling him, Father, I've been running at a pace that is not sustainable. I'm, I'm tired all the time. I'm lashing out at my kids all the time. I'm always angry. I'm frustrated. I, 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 I see the mistakes that I'm making, and I know that I could fix it if I just slow the pace of my life. Down. I'm so preoccupied. I'm so busy. I'm, I'm never singularly focused. I'm, I'm always running at a pace that, that doesn't allow me to focus on one thing at one time. So, Father, would you help me? Would you help me to slow my pace? Would you help me to see you? Would you help me, Lord God, to hear you? Would you get me to this place, God, where I can hear you, see you, know your voice, follow your leading, follow the direction of my life? In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's clap our hands all over this tent real big. Come on, how many believe that God, if you heard from God right now, if you feel like God was working on you, come on, can you clap your hands real big? Well, hey, listen, in just a moment, in just a moment, we're going to pray over you all. We're going to do an altar call. We're, we're going to do all of that. But before we do that, we got an incredible moment here that we want to share with you. And this beautiful young lady, Phoebe Rivera, has made a decision to go public with her faith. We believe that baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. And this young lady decided to put her life into the hands of God. And we are so grateful that even in her young age that she's made this decision to serve God. And so we're going to pray with her. I would ask that you would just extend your hands over here. And I just want to say a prayer over here as we get ready to baptize her right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Phoebe. We thank you, God, for the calling over her life. We thank you, God, that you have led her to this decision. We thank you, God, that she is responding now to your call. And now, Father, as we baptize her into your name, we pray that from this day forward, she lives a life that pleases you. She lives a life, Lord God, that not only honors you, but it, draw, it draws and compels others to know you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.